we are talking about uh, finishing up a series that we've been doing, um, taking basically Campus Crusades model for Christian growth. There are a number of models out there, and I'll probably do some in the future on different other models, but looking at Campus Crusades um, model of Christian growth and what it involves. And basically, the idea is this, is that the center of your life, somebody's sitting on that throne. It's either you or Christ. Um, If you're a believer, you, you either have Christ on the center of that throne or you're on the center of that throne. And God designed us for God to sit on the center, uh, God to sit on the throne of our life. What that means is He's the one that calls the shots for us. So the model looks something like this. Um, it has two dimensions to it: a vertical aspect, which is my relationship to God, which is prayer, me talking to God, and His Word, God talking to us. God does use circumstances. God does use other people. God does use the prodding of the Holy Spirit. God does do those things, but God's primary means of speaking to you and I is through his word. So that's kind of God talking to us, is through his word, us talking to God as prayer. That's that vertical relationship. And just like I talked to the kids this morning, we love God with all of our heart, and we love others um, as well. So there is a horizontal relationship as well. And a couple of weeks ago, we talked about one side of that, and that's the fellowship thing. I can't emphasize enough how important fellowship is. I get that you're tired. I get that, um, you know, you want to be by yourself when you get home from work. I get that you have a busy schedule. I get that we, um, we like our alone and downtime. And you need that. I'm not minimizing that. But you were designed for fellowship. You were designed When God created the world, the one thing that God said that was not good was that man was alone. Because God realized, creation is designed to be social. Uh, You know, you will find very few animals in the animal kingdom that are like, I'm all to myself, I don't want any of my other species around me ever. And, And man is no different. You know, God has designed us to be social creatures. So you need that, that fellowship. So that is your relationship to, I'm going to say it this way, the Christian world. The world of like-minded people, people who believe like you do. People who, who have the same kind of uh, core values that you do. There's that vertical, uh, that, that uh, horizontal relationship with other believers. This morning, I want to talk about the other side of that, and that is that horizontal relationship to the world. The world of, I'm just going to say it this way, people who don't believe like we do, people who don't think like we do, people who don't embrace the values that we believe. Um, For many of you, that's the world you work in every day. Uh, That's the world that, you know, you don't have any problem being around these people because your job forces you to be around people who are not like-minded every day. So we want to talk about how we interact a little bit with that world, all right, because it is, it is so important for us to, to understand. Um, let me help it let me help you out this way. Let me, let me jump into this thing this way. If, um, for some of you who know me, and I'm not talking about spiritual stuff, but for some of you who know me, tell me things that you know that I get excited or I'm passionate about, things that I greatly enjoy. Huh? Tools. I lo- oh, I love tools. Uh, what's that? Glass, glass. I love glass. 
I was playing with glass yesterday. Um, actually, I, I'm in an experimental world right now. Um, I took a dead dragonfly, coated it in glass powder, put it on a sheet of glass, and, and cooked it to 1,400 degrees yesterday. Um, awesome. It's awesome. Um, didn't come out exactly like I want, but if I keep working on it, I think I can get the process down. Uh, but yeah, I love glass. I love trying to do unique, different kinds of things with glass. Um, huh? Food. I love to cook. Uh, barbecue. Oh, I love barbecue. Smoking meat. Oh, that's, that's, that's another thing. Um, what else? Huh? I, I do like a good nap. Uh, fish, fishing. I love to fish. I love to fish. Um, I love to golf. Um, I, I, it was a short career, but I would love to parachute again. But that, that, that phase of my life is over. Um, uh, huh? Oh, yeah, hog hunting. Now, that was cool. Um, I, I, there's a lot of things. That, and you could get me on any one of those topics, and I could talk for another 30 minutes. You know, I love theater. I love, I love uh, those kinds of things. I don't, um, yeah, I said non kind of things. I mean, I do love my wife. And I am passionate about my wife and my kids and my family. Um, but I say that to say this. You wouldn't have a hard time getting me to talk about those things. Why? Because I love them. I love them. They're, they're second nature. You could, you know, I mean, I was ta- you know we were talking. Um, you know, I just thought about this. Uh, Mackenzie and I were talking about it. She's like, okay, I love what I'm doing so much, but don't get me started on it because I'll like, keep going and you'll have to like, walk away. Um, because it's, it, it's something she's very comfortable with. So here's my question. So why is it that we can talk about all of that stuff, and you have your stuff too, but then when it comes to Christianity, we can't. Why is it that if I were to, like during the Super Bowl, some of you get so passionate about your teams, You'll wear their colors or a shirt or whatever else. But yet, we're hesitant to talk about Christianity, to talk about our faith. And you see, that, that's what I want to address this morning, because I think it's important that we understand. And I get that in the workplace and, and limitations and all that. So I want to kind of look at this this morning, because I think you're making it harder than it is. All right? So let's understand a couple of things. Jesus, when he was on the earth, John chapter 17 said this. Um, listen to what? He says, uh, John 17, by the way, John 17 is the intercessory prayer of Christ. It's where Jesus Christ talks to God the Father, praying, and we have it recorded. Many Bible theologians said, believe, that if you could only have one chapter in all of the Bible, just one chapter, somebody looked at you and says, we've got to take it all away, but we'll give you one chapter. Most Bible theologians would choose John chapter 17, okay? Because it is so full of so much stuff. Because it's God, it's Jesus Christ, God the Son, talking to God the Father. But here's what he says. In Jesus' prayer for us, he says, As you sent me into the world, I sent them into the world. Talking about the disciples and us. He said, Just as you sent me here to bear witness, I'm sending them to do the same. For I, for them, I sanctify myself. Sanctify is a big fancy word, it means set apart. He said, I've set them aside. He said, I've set them aside myself. I've chosen out these people who are my disciples, 
And then I've chosen other people. But these are the 12 guys. And I want my 12 guys here. I've set them apart. That they may also set others apart. That they may also be truly sanctified. That they will realize that they're set apart to set others apart. That they're set apart to take what I have given to them so they can give to somebody else, so those people can give it to somebody else, so those people can give it to somebody else. And thousands of years later, it was given to us. But it started with 11 guys. It started with 11 guys doing what Jesus asked them to do. It will only continue if we do what Jesus asked us to do. And that is witness. The term is, a lot of times, is evangelize. It's an, it, all of you have goofy ideas of evangelism. Most of you, when I say the word evangelism, what do you think about? Jehovah's Witnesses knocking on doors. Okay? Done it, not as a Jehovah's Witness, but in some parts of the country, this is still an effective way to reach people for Christ. I've knocked on doors and talked to people about Christ. I've street preached. You know, you've ever seen those movies where a guy's standing on a, like a soapbox thing, yelling and preaching to everybody? I've done it. Um, uh, and it was effective. We saw people come to Christ as a result of it. Um, not against any of those things. They have their place. I don't think they would be very effective um, in Hornick uh, or Climbing Hill. So, you know, you, I, I, I'm not standing up going, hey, look, let's go street preaching in Hornick. Um, you know, they have their place. We're in a, in a very relational community, and a lot of it's about relationships. And so I think that becomes a, a, a big tool for us. But as you understand it, so evangelism, we all have these goofy ideas. But let me help you rein it in a little bit and really get a, a biblical idea of it. Um, Acts chapter uh, 1, <clears throat> here's what happens. Jesus is about ready to leave the earth. So think about this for a minute. Okay, those of you who have sent your kids off to college or sent your kids off to camp, you know how as they're walking away, you yell something at them? Like, you know, don't forget to brush your teeth, you know. Um, and I'll call your mother. Yeah, that was Gene's last words when the kids went to basic. Call your mother. Um, you know, it's that last thing that you want them to remember when they leave, okay, uh, for a moment. Well, Jesus is getting ready to leave. These are the last words that he speaks. So the last words that Jesus speaks on this planet to the people, to his disciples, are these words. And here's what he says. He said, it is not for you, they asked him a question about, you know, when he was coming back again. And he said, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. This is going to happen in Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost. Okay? But this is Acts chapter 1, so it hadn't happened yet. And you will be my, what's the word? Witnesses. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Now, that doesn't mean anything to us today, but if you look at where they were when Jesus said this, they're in Jerusalem. Jerusalem is in Judea. Next to Judea is Samaria. And then there's the world. So if Jesus were speaking this today, what he would say is, I want you to be witnesses in Hornick, in Iowa, in the United States, and all over the world. Same, same analogy. Okay? It was like, start where you are, go out, go bigger, ultimately out there. So that's what Jesus is telling them. But the key word is what? What does he say to be? Witnesses. 
Witnesses. What's a witness? Help me out. What's a witness? Somebody who's seen it. So if I'm a witness, <clears throat> there's a car accident. I happen to be there at the scene. Big court case. I get subpoenaed. I show up in court. Is my job to convince the defense who was right and wrong in the accident? Is, is my job to change the mind of the judge? What's my job? Tell them what I saw. That's my only job. <clears throat> my only job is to say, he was parked here, he came barreling down at 55 mile an hour and hit in the back end and never even stopped. It's not to give my opinion. It's not to tell what, who I think was right or wrong. It's just simply to tell them what I saw. You know what Jesus said when he got ready to go? I just want you to be a witness. You don't need to argue. You don't need to debate it. You just need to tell them what you've seen. You just need to tell them what God's doing and what God has done in your life. That's it. That's your job. To be witnesses here and in Iowa, and in the United States, and all over the world. Tell them what God is doing. Let them know what God is doing. That, that's, that's all it is. And some of you go, well, you know, I just don't know that much Bible. He didn't say, know a bunch of Bible and tell them about it. He said, be a witness. Tell them how God saved you. Tell them how your life is different. Tell them how you've seen him work. All you got that's all you, I, I'm working, I'm working with a guy right now, and this has been about a four or five month process, and, and um, the dirt thing ended up being a witness this past week. Uh, you know, I said, hey, you know, we got a bunch of dirt coming out of there, and, and he said, yeah, I saw that. He said, uh, he said, that's kind of like a, 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 an amazing thing, isn't it? I said, oh, yeah. He said, well, that's got to be like an answer to prayer. Now, he brought up prayer. I didn't. And I said, yeah. I said, we've been praying for two years for that. And he said, well, that's kind of incredible. He said, God's really working, isn't he? Yes, he is. And guess what? Surprise, God's working in your life. I'm going to see you I'm going to see you as a believer before this is all over. Okay. Um, because I've watched every time, every time I have an encounter, there's a, a closer step. You know what I'm doing? All I'm doing is witnessing, telling him what God's doing with dirt. Have you shared the gospel with him? No, I don't have to yet. All i got to do is witness and tell him what God's doing with dirt. God will work in his heart. God will. I mean, I was floored because we were in a public place talking very publicly with other people around us. And he's going, wow, that's an answer to prayer. And it's like, I, wow, you brought up prayer. Good. Because two months ago, you didn't even know I was a Christian. Now you're bringing up spiritual things. Why? My job's not to convince. My job's to witness. My responsibility is to witness. Our responsibility is to tell people what God is doing in my life, in the world around me, in, in, in my world. And notice he, he does the whole progression thing. Where do you do it first? 
These people are in Jerusalem, so where were they supposed to start? Right where they were. That's right. People closest to them. They were in Jerusalem. Family, friends, start telling them what God is doing. Be a witness. You start with your heart. Now, here's the thing. These are the hardest people to reach. You know why? Because they know you the best. See, you start talking all spiritual to them, and you're living a different way. They don't want to hear what you have to say. So there is an imperative here that I have to live a different way in order to be able to talk to these people. I have to live what I'm getting ready to talk to them about. Why? And that's why they're the hardest. That's why your family is the hardest people to reach. And it's also because they have very long memories. So when you look at them and go, you don't understand, God saved me and everything's changed. Well, everything may have changed, but I remember. And that's where you've got to be able to go, yeah, but I'd never do that again. You see, you start with where you are. And what I would say is the people that are in your little world right now, those are who God, look, God owns cattle on a thousand hills. If God wanted to give you a paycheck for nothing, God would give you a paycheck for nothing. You don't do your job for money. Your job's a ministry. Your job's a mission. God has you where you are because he has people in your world that he wants you to reach. It's that simple. He didn't, because let me tell you something, he could put you anywhere. And you're going, well, I wish he would, because you don't know how bad my job situation is. I don't know how bad your job situation is, but I'm just telling you this. God didn't make a mistake putting you where he has you right now. He has you there for a reason, and that reason is not a paycheck. God, the paycheck thing is not the reason God has you where you are. By the way, I think we're doing our kids a great disservice when we teach our kids that the purpose of work is a paycheck. Now you think about that. The purpose of work is not a paycheck. Because here's what will happen. They're going to grow up into a world in which people will pay them more to not work. The purpose of work is to fulfill a God-given need to work. The purpose of work is to have a mission and a ministry. Paycheck is the icing on the cake. It's not about that. By the way, that's why some of you are so frustrated in your jobs right now, because you don't see the purpose, you don't see the mission, you don't see the ministry. And when you can start to see the ministry and the mission and the reason that God has you there and start to fulfill it that way, the paycheck will become secondary. And the frustrations will become opportunities. And you really need to really rethink this. And we really need to be careful what we're teaching our kids about work ethic. You know, there's something to be said, but at the end of a day of being able to go, I put in a full day's work. There's something to be said for at the end of a project, being able to look at it and go, we did that. You know, and I, I mean, I'm going to share it, but you know, when my kids started coming back here to church as adults, it was interesting because you know, I'm always wanting to know why. And it's like, why? Why did you come back? And he goes, this is, and the kids both said the same thing. This is family. And you don't want to know what the other thing was that surprised me? Nope. Nope. You know what the thing that surprised me was? Uh, I think it was Jimmy who said it. 
But he said, huh? no, no, no. He said, no, no. Here's what he said. He said, you don't realize, Dad, I've got blood, sweat, and tears in that place. I helped put up some of those walls. I helped build some of that. That's got part of me in it. And it's like, wow. Never thought about that. Well, here, come home and work with me. Um, <laughs> you make this place really yours. Um, you know, but I mean, really, that, it became that. It, that was a big part of it. And I, and I say that to say, we've got to get, we've got to pass that. And, and, and when it comes to this idea of work, we really have to see that your place of employment tomorrow is a ministry. It is a mission. It is that horizontal world. Yes, you have fellowship here. You need this to get through the week. Great. But you know what? You're going to go into a place tomorrow where it's about your ministry. It's about your mission. You go, let me tell you something. I'm in a pagan world. Jesus Christ didn't come to call the righteous to repentance. You know. I mean, how, he said, I, I've come to help the sick. That's who God wants you to be with. And it is an opportunity. It is a ministry. That is the world that God's given you. And so I just, I want to challenge you that way because, and you go, well, I, I'm so uncomfortable in that world because, you know, I, I got to be careful what I can say, I can't say. Find out what the rules are. Find out what you can and can't say. But you know what? That doesn't mean you can't be a witness. doesn't mean you can't tell them. doesn't mean you don't have those opportunities. You know, yeah, but I'm afraid I'll get it wrong. Really? Have you ever thought that through as a believer? Have you ever thought that through really as a believer? I'm afraid I'll say the wrong thing. Okay, so help me understand the concept because I'm confused. You, as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, want to tell somebody about Christ. Jesus, God in heaven, wants them to hear about Christ. Jesus in heaven has been working in their heart and life to prepare them for it. You want to do it. And God is going to let you mess that up? Really? Because here's what will happen, and I've watched it happen hundreds of times in my own life. You will go and want to say this, and you will say something else, and then you will get done, and you will wonder, why in the world did I say that? Because that didn't make any sense. Now they're even more confused. And God will use that to work in their heart. And down the line, when you hear their story, their witness, you know what they'll say? I'll never forget the day that you came to me and you said this. Why? Because it's a God process, folks. And if you think for a moment that God's going to let you mess it up, then you're minimizing the power of God. Go through the Bible. Look at the people God uses. Everybody that, because again, why don't we do this? Because we're afraid, right? We're, we, we, we're afraid that we're going to say the wrong thing, that we're going to do the wrong thing, that we're going to mess it up, that we don't have, here's my, here's my big thing, that we don't have the ability. And I know, I know your attitude is like, okay, you know what? Pastor, you do such a better job explaining it. You know, if I can like get them to church, then like, you can tell them. Here's the problem with that. I will tell them but it'll never be as effective as you tell them because I don't have the relationship with them. You do. You know their story. You know their background. 
you've built a relationship with them. It is 10 times more effective coming from you. That's why when I go into certain situations, there are certain people I want with me. If I'm talking to a husband who has lost a wife, I know who I want beside me. If I'm talking to a parent who has lost a kid, I know who I want beside me. And I want them to talk a whole lot more than I do. Because those people have lived it. They have been there. They have a perspective I don't. Their story is so much more effective. And I challenge you because think about it for a minute. Look at the people. What did Moses say when God came to him? Can't talk, can't do it. Moses has been trained for 40 years in the Egyptians. They had trained Moses to do everything, but Moses went, you know what, I'm just not good enough at doing that. But okay, God, I'll do it if I have to. Jonah, what Jonah say? No way. Uh, here's a great character, Habakkuk. Habakkuk's a really interesting character. Habakkuk went, no way, no, 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 no. God used them all in great ways because you know what? They said, it's not my thing, but God, if you'll use me, I'll do it. And let me tell you something. Over and over again in Scripture, it is filled with people who just simply said, I'm not, I don't have the ability, I don't have the, I'm not qualified to do it, but God, I will if nobody else. It's kind of like that. Have you ever been in a situation where they're asking for volunteers? And you go, you know what? There's always those people. I love them. There's always those people who go, well, nobody else will. And all you do in most meetings is wait for that person to raise their hand. You know, because you know, you know what? No, I don't have to worry about it because if I sit here long enough, I know so-and-so is going to volunteer, you know. Um, you know, those of you who are like that, what you need to do right off the bat is you need to go, look, I can't do it. I've got a prior commitment. The whole meeting will freak out because they won't know what to do because they're like thinking you were going to do it. But you know what? That's kind of the thing. The, guy, the people in the Bible God uses, they're like people who went, uh, you know what? Look at the ragtag group Jesus puts together to change the world. Look at the 12 guys he picked. There is not a pastor on the planet who would have picked any one of those 12. If you looked at it and went, hey, look, I need a leadership team to build a church. These are not the 12 guys anybody in their right mind would have picked. Because all these guys were, in the Jewish system, they were failures. It's why they were doing what they were doing. They had bombed out of the whole religious Jewish system, and basically a rabbi had looked at them and said, you can't do what I'm doing. You need to just, like, go back and work with Daddy. You don't have what it takes to be a, a follower of a rabbi. And Jesus walked by and goes, hey, yeah, I want you. And you, and you, and you, and you. And they went, okay. And God uses them. You and I are here today because God used them. Um, I say this to say I think some of you are frustrated in life right now. I think one of the reasons you're frustrated is because you don't get this aspect of the Christian life. You've got that vertical relationship, and you've got that fellowship thing, but you're missing this side of it. Because you're so, for whatever, you're afraid, you don't think you have enough ability, you know, I, I just don't have the time, it's going to cost me too much to invest time in other people, to, for whatever your excuses are. Listen to what Jesus says in Mark. He says it this way. Um, jump to Mark, guys, yeah. He called the crowd to him along with the disciples. He said, if anyone comes after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, or follow me. 
Whoever wants to save his life, and here's the principle, whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel's sake will save it. What good is a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? What can a man give in exchange for his soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory with the angels. The key is right up there in verse 35. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and the gospel, they'll save it. You want to find the real meaning of life? You really want to find out what life is all about? Do something bigger than you. It takes a lot to tell people your story. It shouldn't, but it does. We get nervous about it. We, get, we don't think of our ability. We're afraid that we're, they're going to see like we're pushing religion down their throat. Or, you know, we got all these excuses on why we don't. But Christ said, if you really want to find out what life is all about, give your life away. The more you hoard it, the more you will lose the perspective of what it's all about. And he says, look, part of what you've got to learn to do is to give it away. Give it away to get, share it with other people. Go about, he's fine. He's fine. I listened to that for years. Um, anybody who's had a teenager's listen to that. Uh, you know, uh, but I mean, it's one of those things where it, it is. It's, it, it's one of those deals where we've got to learn to lose our life, to give it away to somebody else, to be able to share the gospel with, with other people, to be able to share our stories You go, I'm afraid I'll get it all wrong. It's really simple. Share your story. Jesus changed your life. Tell them. Tell them. You'll talk, not you, but I'll talk about glass. I'll talk to you about Chicago. I'll I'll talk to you about fishing, golf, Texaco. My wife, my kids, my family. Oh, you know, I'm afraid I might be like put off if I talk to you about my Christianity or my discipleship, my following Christ. Really? Um, Let me ask you something. Again, think it through. Have you ever run into those people who like have a thing that they always want to talk about? And every time you get close to them and start talking to them, if you know that if you get close to that subject, they'll jump on it and then they'll like ride that thing until you can't ride it anymore. And you just want them to shut up. Okay? Have you ever been around those people? Nod. Okay? You've been around those people? Okay. What do you do when you're around those people? You change the subject. Or you walk away. Or you realize that the next time I'm talking to them, I don't want to get on that subject. You know, I just kind of want to steer clear of that subject. Um, If you really want to be antagonistic, you come up and you go, hey, what do you think about? And then they jump on that subject. You know, I mean, you know how to handle those people, right? People know how to handle you if you get on a subject they're uncomfortable with, too. Some will say, I don't want to talk about that. Go, okay. Move on. My job is not to convince them. My job is just to be a witness and tell them my story. If they don't want to hear my story, okay. You know, 
I have people I can tell, you know, I get on the glass stuff, you know, and I can get all nutso about, you know, we're doing this, we're doing this, and they kind of get this glazed over look. They don't care. So we change subjects, you know. So we change subjects. We go to something else. There are some other people that all I have to do is mention. There are actually people who come up and go, what are you doing? What are you doing? You know, they're, they're interested. We can talk about it. Look, don't make it harder than it is. It's not about convincing them. It's not about shoving the gospel down their throat. It's not about giving them the Romans road and the plan of salvation and, and, and all that stuff. If you have opportunity to do that, you do that. But you're commanded to tell your story. You're commanded to be witnesses. Yes, fellowship, but also witness. Tell your story. Look for opportunities to tell your story. Look for opportunities to bring Christ into the situation. For some of you who are in really difficult situations, let me give you the easiest way to do it. You'll get somebody who come to you who's going through a hard time and they're going through something and struggling and da-da-da-da and they're dumping their heart out to you and they're opening up a little bit of your life to you and they're trying to build a little bit of a relationship with you. Here's all you got to do is you got to look at them and say something like this. Look, <clears throat> I have this thing that I do where like I pray for things that are important to me. Would it be okay with you if I prayed for that in like my thing and every once in a while just check up with you to see how this is going? You will rarely have somebody tell you no. Because their attitude is, look, I'll take everything I can get. You know, their attitude, and this is what a lot of them will tell you, sure, can't hurt. It's what most of them will say, sure, it can't hurt. And then as you continue to check with them from time to time and say, hey, look, I've been thinking about you. I don't tell them I'm praying for them. I said, hey, look, I've been thinking about you. How's it going? It'll be an opportunity for you to be a witness to what God's doing in your life in helping them. Be a witness this week. Okay? Be a witness. This is a dangerous prayer, pray to, uh, dangerous prayer to pray. But it's probably the most dangerous prayer you will ever pray in your life. But I'm going to challenge you to do it this week. God, use me this week. Use me this week. And then be sensitive because some of the opportunities that you're going to have are not going to be pleasant ones. They're going to be difficult ones, but they're going to be opportunities for God to use you in difficult situations. And let him use you. That vertical relationship, prayer, and His Word. That horizontal relationship with other believers and like-minded people is fellowship. But we have a responsibility to a world that doesn't know Christ who needs to know Christ. Because God desires more than anything else that they be part of the family as well. And I'd say this, that's one of the reasons we witness. We're at a point in our lives, for my wife and I, where our family is getting bigger. You know, it's just the four of us. And then we added Aaron. And then it became five of us. And now we're getting ready to add Alex. And it's like six of us now. And it's a fun time for us because as our family starts to grow and we start to have more people, it adds more dimension to it. It gets more complicated, gets a little more difficult, but it's also a lot more fun. Our desire is for that to, now they start bringing like friends and so it's kind of even getting bigger. That's what God desires for for us. It's what God desires for his kingdom. 
is for it to grow, for it to, to get bigger that way. And um, I want to challenge you because that's what God wants for each of us. It's not about building some great place. It's about the idea of sharing with somebody else that which was so important to me. I want to share my story, tell them what God's doing in my life. And allow God to use that as we're a witness to what he's doing. So my prayer for you this week is very simply this. That God's greatest desire is to see his family grow. But it can only grow if it reproduces itself in the life of others. So be a witness this week. Look for an opportunity to tell others the story of what God is doing in your life and what he has done. Let's pray. Lord, use us.